Welcome to the Ten Commandments podcast with Chad. Today we're going to be taking a look at commandment one, which is, you shall have no other gods before me. So I think with this commandment, we have God saying something like, okay, the first idea I want you to live with is you shouldn't have any other gods before me. Now, why would God say this unless they had other gods before him? That, I think, is the cultural context of commandment one. Israel, coming out of Egypt, had many gods, and Israel inherited those ideas. Israel at this time was used to the idea that there were many gods, each with their own different ways of having to be appeased and placated to, each with their own distinct characteristics. And this god now, the god who just led them out of Egypt with dramatic displays of power and provision, is saying to Israel, okay, this is the first idea you need to get. I'm God. I alone am God. There are no other gods before me, so don't have any other gods before me. And I think God knows that this is going to be a challenging idea for the people. It's what they're used to. God is saying to effect, look, you don't really know me that well yet, but trust everything you've seen me just do. I just saved you from being slaves for another 400 years. So let's start here. Have no other gods before me. We can see how this would be a challenge to Israel, to anyone coming out of a culture of, of having many gods. You're turning your back on everything you ever knew. You're turning your back on certain supposed other deities who you think have perhaps helped you in the past, or that in some way you've depended on, and now this God is telling you to disregard them. But at the same time, this God has just shown you some incredible things you've never seen happen with the God you were worshiping before. You've seen this God act in ways undescribable, and therefore you're confronted with the reality of really having to pay attention to what he's saying still, as the story progresses, we do see Israel reverting back to its old ways. Moses is up the mountain. He's up there a long time. Israel's starting to get really concerned. They're out in the wilderness, left all alone. So what do they do? They turn back to what they know. They have one of their other leaders, Aaron, make an idol, a golden calf, and they start worshiping that and calling out to it for help. God's like, already? And Moses is like, what is going on with these people? Didn't they just see everything you just did? And then God has mercy. The golden calf is destroyed. Moses makes them drink the dust of it. And they get back to work on learning about who God is and trying to change Israel's knowledge about God. So again, the first idea, you shall have no gods before me. I'm sure you can see what's coming in the next one too. Make no idols, but we'll get to that one in the next episode. To recap real quick, God really is quite unknown at this time. He intervenes in the life of Israel rather dramatically, pulls them out of slavery in Egypt, and then he begins to nurture that new relationship. God explains that he's above and before all these other gods, that they're really not gods at all, and that Israel now needs to leave these gods behind and enter into a relationship solely with him, to have no other gods before him. But what about us now? centuries later, in a context that's much different. We don't have many gods that we solicit on a daily basis. We don't have a handful of deities that is the norm to believe in. We almost have the opposite of that these days. We have a culture, a context, where it's almost not normal to believe in any god. I mean, many claim to believe in God, but when it really comes down to our, our lives, we don't act on a daily basis as if there's a god, as if there are any gods. And so that's the cultural context I think we find ourselves into 
in today. Perhaps we can better understand commandment one, idea one, not as have no other gods before me, but simply have me as God before you. Start to bring into your mind the idea that there is a God. Live in a way as if there is a God. And maybe not only have me as God before you, but have me as Father before you. In our cultural context, just the idea of God alone is a very loaded idea with many assumptions and connotations. And that word God can be very hard for some of us to get past. But the idea of Father might be more accessible. I think that idea is also supported by Jesus in a lot of what he says, but primarily we could cite how he teaches his disciples to pray as he starts it with our Father who art in heaven. We're taught to address God as Father, which I think is fitting. God is so much more than a God, and a Father figure perhaps encapsulates that better for our day and age. Though, I do realize for many that is a hard word to get past some associations with also, because many have not had good fatherly experiences. And if that's your case, then first, I'm, I'm sorry, because that's not something a child should have to endure. But secondly, I would encourage you to imagine, to think on what a good father figure would be, and let that then inform your understanding of God as father. Because certainly we can tell the difference between a good father and a bad father. And through these commandments, I think God tries to show us and teach us that he is a good father. Just like Jesus and Paul sum up the commandments, saying love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus says, this is the law that you treat one another the way you wish they'd treat you. And so we need to keep that idea in mind as we look at these commands. That they're geared towards a spirit of love, of teaching kindness that they're not a checklist of rules to follow. They're there to teach us about love. I'm not sure how to bring this point into play, but I wanna make the point that in our current context, like the past context for the Ten Commandments, God doesn't just say things without backing them up. Just like God's teaching to have him as God before all other gods comes out of the context of all of these miraculous works when he pulled Israel out of Egypt, I think we have this same idea to have God as Father before us comes out of another very profound and powerful work. And that being the coming of Jesus and his work, his death and resurrection, primarily his power over death, God comes and shows himself a father like no other. Which of us fathers would not want to save their children from death? And God, as father through Christ, shows that he has power over death. He has power to give life. That's a father's dream, to have his children live forever, to never face death. And so to be a father with that power and to have just displayed it and demonstrated it, it makes us as well need to stop and take note at what's just happened. And that this being, this deity, can really be a father who does something about death. He's proven his power, even over that which all other fathers wish to save their children from but can't. Power over death. That leads us to commandment one for our day. Have me as father before you, the only father before you. And I think that's how commandment one fits into the cultural context of our day. 
We're to have no other fathers before us. We too have been shown a very powerful work that we should take note of, and the deity behind it invites us to get to know him better. And he starts off with this idea of have me as father before you, knowing we don't fully understand yet, but like Israel, he'll help us, he'll teach us, he'll show us to learn his way of life, to learn what's good, what's bad. And if we know anything from what he's done before, we know that he really wants to show us more. And so let's start there with the first idea. You shall have no other fathers before me. I think God says, I know life. I know you and I love you. So please keep me as father before you. Let me be your good father. And we'll move on from there. But that's the first idea to start with. Thanks for listening. And we'll carry on with commandment two, hopefully not too long from now.